When I got out to the edge of the tank, right by the donning station where my suit was waiting for me, I would see my two safety divers, two men, chin against the edge of the pool, wearing scuba masks, regulator in their mouth. Never saw their faces, never heard their voices. I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at kathysullivanexplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to kathysullivanexplores.com. Two of the most important people during the training of any spacewalking astronaut are their safety divers. These are the two people on scuba who are waiting for you at the side of the pool as you are lifted into the water in your spacesuit, who swim you down a few feet and adjust all the weights on the outside of your suit so that you're perfectly neutrally buoyant. When they let you go, you don't rise towards the surface or sink towards the bottom. You don't tilt or pitch anyway. You stay right there motionless where they left you, just as you would do in zero-g for real. After that, they swim you down to whatever mock-up you're going to work on, and they stay right by each of your shoulders, keeping an eagle eye on your spacesuit. If your spacesuit springs a leak, maybe a boot blows out or a glove pops off, it would fill rapidly with water, which would drag you to the bottom of the pool and pretty quickly drown you. So their job is to make sure that doesn't happen. And they're trained, if they see a big stream of bubbles, to yank the helmet off your spacesuit, put a scuba regulator in your mouth, and swim you back safely to the surface of the pool. I did most of my earliest spacewalk training at the large water training tank in Huntsville, Alabama, called the Neutral Buoyancy Simulator, or NBS. Bruce McCandless and I, who's commonly my spacewalking partner, we would fly over in a T-38, make a beeline for the conference room where everyone was gathered to do the pre-brief for the test, review what the jobs were, what the tasks were, who had what assignments, the whole game plan for our test. At the very end of that pre-brief, the test conductor, the gentleman who was orchestrating all of this, and it was always a man back then, the test conductor's final point would be to review and specify who my safety divers were and who were Bruce's safety divers. He would name two names that were typically gentlemen standing at the far back of this conference room, Ralph and George, somebody would wave a little bit or nod towards me, you know, Sam and John, someone would wave and nod towards Bruce, indicating that these were the guys with those names who would be taking care of us in the water. At that point, the meeting would break up. I would go to the women's locker room to change into my swimsuit 
and put on the Long John's style cooling garment that we always wear under our spacesuits, even in the water tank training runs. And Bruce would adjourn to the men's locker room with virtually everyone else who had been in the briefing room, and certainly with all the scuba divers. When I got out to the edge of the tank, right by the donning station where my suit was waiting for me, I would see my two safety divers. Two men, chin against the edge of the pool, wearing scuba masks, regulator in their mouth. Never saw their faces, never heard their voices. But I would suit up, and they would weigh me out and take me down and keep their eye on me all through our test over and over and over again. The test would end. They were all volunteering in those scuba roles, so they would change clothes quickly back to their work clothes and disappear. We would do our debrief and fly back to Houston. So I don't remember any of the names of this safety divers I had at Huntsville. I couldn't have told you if my life depended on it. I just knew that two men were always there, keeping me healthy and safe. And that's the way things stayed until a random day when I was home in Houston and a plain brown paper-wrapped package arrived in my mailbox. This is long before Amazon and our age of home delivery. It was really rare for a package to end up on my doorstep. And I hadn't ordered anything by mail order, so I wasn't expecting one. I picked it up and looked at it and noticed the return address was Huntsville, Alabama. Well, I had been to Huntsville a bunch of times, but I never really could say I had met someone there, hardly anyone I knew by name. And this person lived on Hemlock Avenue, and I knew for sure that I didn't know anyone on Hemlock Avenue in Huntsville. Who would forget that name? The mystery continued when I opened the package. It contained a book. I hadn't ordered a book. You didn't order books back then. You went to a bookstore. So that was odd. It was published by the U.S. Naval Institute Press, which was another odd thing because I was a member of the Naval Institute, but I had not ordered any books from them. And the final odd thing was the title. The book was titled Torpedo Junction, U-Boat War Off America's East Coast, 1942. This is not the kind of thing I read. So here's a book of the sort I don't read that I didn't order from an Alabama address, not from the Naval Institute address. Now I was really, really mystified. So I began to flip through the book and just see if I could pick up any clue as to what was happening here and happened to fall open to the flyleaf, which was completely filled with this really wonderful handwritten inscription. And here's what that inscription said. 18 May, 1989, to Lieutenant Commander Catherine Sullivan, United States Navy. With thanks, Kathy, for all your kindnesses toward and concern for the poor, ragged, beleaguered divers of the NBS, who would be honored for just a silent thought while you are among the stars. With remembrance of all the underwater hours I've watched you work in necessarily silent admiration. With the certainty that everything, even loss, has a reason and a purpose, and a hope that there will always be an adventure in your life, I send you my tale of disaster, dedication to duty, stupidity, courage, and finally, victory. Best always, Homer. The author of the book, the author of that note, was Homer Hickam, Jr., 
one of the gentlemen who'd been my safety diver for multiple training sessions over some seven years by that point. The loss he refers to in his note is, of course, the tragic loss of the shuttle crew on the Challenger mission in 1986. I was so moved by the note, but also felt sheepish and kind of embarrassed. Because here is that sentiment, here is that warmth from a person who's been looking out for me in the water for hours and hours and hours on many, many, many occasions. And I didn't know him. I couldn't put a face to the name. I couldn't even put a name to any of my safety divers. And I was embarrassed to realize that, embarrassed to think that I had been so negligent and so disregarding of people who were investing so deeply and thoroughly in me and in my success. And so the next time I went over to Huntsville for a water tank training run, uh, I made a point of tracking Homer down, not only to thank him for the book, which, by the way, is fabulous. I raced through it in an instant, but also to thank him for all the care that he had shown to me and for his commitment and dedication to the work we were doing together. And the lesson I took from all of that, that I hope I have applied in every other leadership circumstance that I have found myself in, is to don't let the people around you who are committed to the work, committed to the purpose, committed to you, don't let them be unseen and unknown and unheard. They're making the same caliber and quality of investment in their assigned role as you are in yours. So honor that and recognize them and make it a team effort to complete the mission that you're undertaking. Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplores.com.